So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe for that Jar Jar Banks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo. I'm Eric Walensky. And we're here to talk about things that most definitely ruined your childhood. This week, we're going to talk about the franchise Predator. There have been six films that have touched on the Predator lore, and we're going to talk about where they started in 1987 and where we've ended up most recently in 2019. So, uh, Eric, do you want to talk about your thoughts on Predator and, and what it meant to you in your childhood? I would say Predator was an entertaining film. Uh, you couldn't help but love late 80s Arnold. Anything he was in turned to gold. Uh, I was a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, as was most of the country. So when Predator came out, uh, it was a very simple, cut-and-dried, almost horror sci-fi about an action team in the jungle getting tracked by a Predator, which they point out is not exactly what a Predator does, later on in the series, <laughs> yeah. and I very much appreciate that little bit of a correction there, uh, used in a humorous way. Yep. Um, so so as far as it having an impact on my childhood, uh, I, I just love the film. And, and watching Arnold and Carl Weathers, Jesse Ventura, just go tear up a jungle and get tore up by an alien, that was, that was entertainment to the max. Yeah, it was gold. It was gold. I uh, I didn't see this movie until it was released sometime in VHS in the 90s. So, you know, obviously it's a 1987 film with Arnold Schwarzenegger at the height of his popularity. But I'm pretty positive I saw it after T2 when I had to start eating up anything Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and same, same with me. I fell in love with this movie, which in turn made me want to fall in love with the franchise, which we'll talk about whether I did or not <laughs> in a little bit. But um, same same feelings. What's you know completely from you, Arnold, Jesse Ventura, uh, Carl Weathers. I mean, he's just outstanding in the film. There's the most iconic high five slash hand clasp that's ever been caught on film in this movie, mm. <laughs> and it's just it's it's meme to the max nowadays. But it is '80s perfection. Predator is comprised of six films. The first one, as we've already mentioned, is 1987's quintessential action film Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But just three years later, in 1990, a dystopian future was brought about uh, for Danny Glover to traverse. It was 1997 Los Angeles in 1990's Predator 2. Danny Glover and Gary Busey took the stage uh, because contracts could not get figured out with Arnold. So he wouldn't return... And uh, they got the next big action star that they could 
they could reel in in Danny Glover. Well, Arnold was like, you know, hot off of twins at that point and was right. like, can, can Danny DeVito be my partner? And they were like, well, we were going to, we were thinking Danny Glover. And he's like, no, it's, it's the other Danny. I want the other Danny. <laughs> and they couldn't come to terms. And yeah, so they only had Danny it. Glover. Yep. And he becomes a formidable opponent to the Predator. So, uh, 1990, that movie comes out. And then um, in 2004, the franchise is rebooted. Or I shouldn't say rebooted, but it is expanded. Everything in the Predator franchise is expanded upon. So, in 2004, we get the first mashup where aliens face off against Predators. This archaeological team goes and finds a pyramid, and they find uh, aliens fighting predators in this pyramid. A couple years later, Alien v Predator 2, Alien v Predator Requiem comes out. So 2007, the facehugger has impregnated a predator. And so there's the world's first Predalien. Definitely not something I would suggest any of our listeners to watch, unless you (laughs) really just want to waste about an hour and 40 minutes of your time. But then in 2010, they tried to reclaim the Predator throne by bringing us Predators, which is a soft reboot of the franchise where they're once again expanding upon the mythology of Predators, and it's the only Predator film to take place off of Earth, where it takes place on the Predator homeworld, where Predators bring humans to that planet to see if any of them will survive in the most dangerous game on their own planet. And then, of course, 2018 brought us uh, The Predator, which is another soft reboot of the franchise where we're, they're trying to, once again, expand the mythology, but bring it to current times. And that movie got a lot of hate. So when we talk about things ruining your childhood, this one takes the cake for what people thought about it on the internet. So Eric, how many of these movies have you actually seen? I've seen all of them except Requiem. Okay, and I don't fault you for that. <laughs> I wish I could get my time back and not have watched it. I guess really quickly, if we were to rank these movies, and I know I'm just throwing this at you without talking about it, but if we were to rank the movies, where would you put them in order? Well, the first one is far and away the best, um, in my opinion. So I, I, I put Predator first. I would probably, I could almost flip a coin between the Alien Brody Predator and the Predator. Hmm. Predators versus the Predator, huh? Yeah, I'd probably put the Predator. Actually, it's a real neck and neck after the first one. I'd say probably Alien versus Predator in that temple was super sweet, uh, though made very little sense. (laughs) But as (laughs) far as eye candy goes, it was awesome. And the mashup factor was incredibly, incredibly high. Uh, People have been wanting a Predator versus Alien movie forever. Like that's the first thing you think about when when it comes time, you know, to start really analyzing your pop culture icons. It's like, oh, who would win in a fight? Um, somebody mm-hmm. actually made Phil. We can make this an honorary installment. Have you seen Batman versus Predator? I have not seen it. No. There is a fan comic, though. Right? Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it was a comic, but there's also a fan film where. Batman fights a predator in an alley. And yes, he, uh, spoiler alert, he wins uh, only to discover that there are aliens in the parking lot too. 
or in the alley too. So <laughs> as soon as he oh, takes man. out a predator, he's then got to fight an alien. And uh, he's up for the challenge, though the movie ends right there. And we don't see the outcome of that one. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, I would say Aliens versus Predator and um, The Predator and Predators are all pretty neck and neck as far as uh, where they rank for me. Predator 2 is a distant whatever you would call that, fifth and or third. So for me, I would go with the original Predator first. That's obviously just one of the greatest action movies in the 80s to me. And then I would, after that, it's it's pretty hard for me too, because the more I think about The Predator, which is the newest one, the more I like it. And the more I think about Predators 2, the less I like that. So there was a time a couple weeks ago when I just watched The Predator for the first time, where I thought I was ranking uh, them quite differently. But the more and more that I'm getting into the mythology of this Predator, the more I'm turning the leaf of what I really appreciate. So for me, my new, as of just today, thinking about it, um, and re-watching Predators the other night, I am ranking Predator first, The Predator second, Predators third, Alien versus Predator fourth, Predator 2 5th, and AVP Requiem 6th. And it's like a distant 6th. It's like if if there was the distance between 5 and 100 as there is to 5 to 6, that's the distance between uh, the, my number 5 and my number 6. So that movie ruined your childhood. It it wouldn't it didn't ruin my childhood, but man, <laughs> it it came close. It is it is a bad film with bad acting, bad special effects. Um, there's just nothing redeeming about it. Wherein the most recent one, which is um, the Predator, there were some really good special effects. There was some really good mythology that they created, and the same thing with Alien versus Predator. They expanded upon the mythology of Predators. You know, they they made you really understand what the Predators were doing, and that they were trying to always find the the greatest warriors of the planet that they went to, you know, in, in the predator or the original predator, I should say, it's not very clear, right? It's just an alien that's attacking these people. And then in predator two, they kind of touch on it, but they, they don't really go into it. It's just kind of brief when they all come and talk to Danny Glover, right? Or not talk to him, but make him understand why they're there. It's just like when I was in college and I was at a party and I'd had a little bit to drink and it was time to go. So my buddy grabs me and says, hey, come on, we're leaving. I said, all right, just a second. And this was a frat party, and there was uh, some of the football team was there. And I thought I'd just have a little bit of fun, which I'm known to do from time to time. So my buddy says, hey, it's time to go. I said, okay, hang on. And I finish my beer in one big gulp, and I go, hey, who's the biggest, toughest SOB in the place? And one of these big <laughs> football players walks up. He looks me right in the eyes. He goes, That'd be me. I poked him in the chest and I said, take over, I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I left the party. And that's what that's a predator nice. is. The predator yep. is just going from frat party to frat party, looking to see who the biggest, toughest SOB is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> what a great uh, view into your, your youth. That's great. So here's what I think the Predator, what do you want to call it? Franchise? Yeah, franchise. The Predator franchise does right. 
they they give you steps that build off of the previous movies without um without completely reinventing the wheel for example predator 2 does a classic mix them up right first time you had a predator hunting somebody in the jungle now you got a mm-hmm. predator hunting somebody in the in the city mm-hmm. so hey that's easy enough to understand it's a to b Predator 2 did kind of gum up the works, though, with the whole side plot about there being a drug dealer and this and that and the other thing. And it kind of got out of hand by adding in way too many details, which is, in my opinion, a big flaw when it comes to storytelling. When when somebody's already familiar with the property, you don't need to deviate too far from the formula to get people to understand it and enjoy it. I think that's what Predator 2 did wrong. I mean, first of all, with no Arnold, I'm sure everybody was disappointed with that. So now yeah. they're trying to reframe a movie made in 1990 that flashes forward and takes place in 1997. And there's no Arnold. And there's a drug dealer. And there's a predator. And there's a heat wave. And <laughs> it was too it's much. <laughs> it was exactly. It, it's another who let this guy into the improv room. It's like, can we just work with what we've got here? Why do you keep yes-anding me? Just work with me here. (laughs) It's funny because, you know, in the 90s, if you think about what people were concerned with in real life, it was the war on drugs, right? There was so there were so many dare programs at schools, and the president was talking about the war on drugs. And so it's funny that the Predator movie franchise decided to go and make a drug dealer one of the antagonists, and that the Predator would think that a drug dealer is a worthy opponent. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting that they did that, but it's After- just a, truly a sign of the times. It is definitely a '90s movie. For sure. Um, after the credits roll on Predator 2, though, the Predator does come out and do a PSA against doing drugs. He does course, it in yeah. his language, and it's subtitled, but mm-hmm. it's pretty effective. I know I didn't uh, want to do cocaine after I saw the Predator tell me not to. I sure didn't. I, especially Click 3. Just it really He, he really got me. <laughs> you can see the destructive nature that cocaine takes on the Predator's culture. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the Alien versus Predator is the next one, and that is truly when they dive into the mythology of both of the aliens and predators, which I think is really interesting because Alien takes place in 2070, 2170, something like that, right? It's it's in the future. And now we're in the 2000s, and we're seeing aliens in this temple. And humans aren't supposed to know about aliens, right? Right. Humans aren't supposed to have ever been in contact with aliens. So I think that it's really like spitting in the alien franchise face to put aliens in this temple. But it's really the predators brought them there so that they could fight these opponents, and then the humans just intervened. So it's a very interesting plot, but I think it's done in the wrong time. They should have made it in the future or or not on our planet or something so that humans in current time didn't interact with aliens. That's one of the problems I have with the movie. Well, it makes you wonder about the galaxy, though, too, that we're in, because why Earth keeps getting brought into this, where, where Earthlings versus a predator, I mean, predators shred humans, you know, with very few exceptions. So why they keep choosing Earth to come back to and make their their homes, 
Um, I think it's only because we're the ones making the movies, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly it. Because otherwise, like, again, to use this, this universe, there's, an, there's wherever the aliens come from, there's the predators, and there's Earth. And apparently there's no other aliens or anything else mm-hmm. that they could go fight. The movie Alien vs. Predator is loaded with really cool, um, like, temple, what you would see in, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? They're temple traps that are set up. And mm-hmm. so the humans that are in this temple are trying to step on the right stones or, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. So they're going against the temple to try to find out the secrets of the temple, but then they're also unleashing the aliens and the predators and now hunting everybody. And so it's a really interesting take on the type of movie that they're making because they're mixing the genres together. And I think that's kind of a testament to them trying to think outside of the box of how they could make it work. Did it work for everybody? No, but it definitely was interesting. For a fun action movie, yes, I enjoyed it. And again, to see the matchup, um, because you had to come up with some sort of an explanation of why the aliens would fight the Predators in the first place, without it, again, being an entirely movie made with just Predators and just aliens and nobody speaks English. You'd ha- you had to find a way to incorporate us as the reference point to this whole battle. I just thought this whole temple thing seemed a little messy to me, but I understand why they wanted to do it because they wanted to have it happen on Earth and you had to have a reason to do that. One of the things I do want to touch on in, in Alien vs. Predator is the fact that Bishop is in it and it's actually Lance Henriksen who plays Bishop in Alien and he's a life model decoy or android or whatever you want to call him in Alien. Spoiler alert, sorry everybody. But um, it's like the real Bishop and it's we find out that his last name is Wayland, and it's Wayland Industries in the movie Alien. So they're trying to tie all of these threads together in a very interesting way. And I think that if it was executed or written better, they would have done a great job. But it just kind of fell flat for me. I agree. It's a great little detail that... Um, Similarly, as we've talked about with other franchises that try to tie in the past and the present together, I think that's a nice little tidbit that really doesn't affect anything major in the storyline, but also gives you a reason for why everybody exists in the same universe together. Right. It's clever for sure. Is it amazing? No. No. I put that up there on the level of Easter egg almost. Yep. Yep. Moving on is next Alien versus Predator Requiem, where at the end of AVP, it's, I, you know, there's a teaser at the end that aliens are still alive or something, I think, if I remember correctly. And it turns out that in AVP Requiem, an alien facehugger impregnates a predator and creates a pred alien, which now the predator and the humans in this small Colorado town have to fight. So not only are people being killed by predators, but they're also being killed by predalians. And now a person and a predator have to team up to destroy the alien, the predalian. Just like in Alien vs. Predator, the woman who survived had to team up with the predator to destroy the alien. So it's um, you know a kind of just a retelling of the first Alien vs. Predator, but with a face-hugging predalian instead of just Aliens vs. Predators. So that's where I think they went wrong. It's just really poorly written. Nobody really good is in it. 
Um, it's acted terribly. It's directed terribly. So we can just move on from that and say that that movie probably did ruin a lot of people's childhoods. Which, if Requiem damaged anybody's perception of the franchise, um, I would say Predators, at least for me, um, made me happy in the fact that it went back to the formula, but again, just played switcheroo with location. Whereas Predators in the Jungle, Predator 2's in the city, this was now on a Predator-type planet with humans. So again, you've just got Predator 1, but you've got it on a different planet with different people. So you're taking a formula that worked in the first place and making a decent movie out of it. Yeah, I, I think they got a really good cast for the film, too. They had Adrian Brody, who was really big at the time, had won an Oscar recently. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, of course, is great in everything. Um, Walter Goggins, who is just a character that everybody knows, but not everybody knows his name. And he always plays like just that guy that's a little off, and he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Danny Trejo, of course. Everybody loves Danny Trejo. And Topher Grace. Topher Grace playing a weird, mousy little badass guy that is just a double-crossing snake. Who yes. He plays that perfectly. That everybody underestimated. Him. Yep. Yes. I hated him in the movie, and rightfully so, because he is one of the worst characters in the film. As far so as he does a good job playing that. As far as not trying to ruin a childhood, that's that's where I will say that Predators did a good job because they went back to what made the first one successful with a cast that everybody is familiar with that you can get into. I think that's the first thing that will ruin any type of sequel or remake, reboot, re-whatever, is putting in too many people that are unknown or up-and-coming or don't have that star power, ooh, That'd be interesting. Topher Grace in a Predator kind of movie? I got to see what that's about. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you just said about Requiem is with no major star power to fuel it, you're just counting on the fanboys who love the Predator and and the Aliens. And the Alien franchise to bring them in. And if you don't get them in there or you do get them in there and they hate it, there's no redeeming. Yeah, but. Danny Trejo was in this one, and he was great. And that's where I think a person like me, whose childhood was not ruined by this, will walk away and go, yeah, that was actually a decent film. I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's defi- definitely a fun film because, uh, you know, I, I hadn't watched it in years. You know, I, I, it came out in 2010. I saw it in the theaters. The Blu-ray came out, and I bought the Blu-ray just because I'm, I'm a completist. So I had, at the time, I had the Predator uh, collection on Blu-ray, and so I needed to add this movie to my collection, and so I bought it not knowing, you know, not loving it in the theaters, but I watched it again at home, and I enjoyed it, and I still didn't love it, you know, I still always just put it up against the original Predator, and just watching it again earlier this week, um, just for the first time in years and years. I really forgot how good it is and how fun it is and how much they really make the Predator mythology grow through this movie by staying true to the roots 
of the franchise. So I think they did a great job. Yeah. I liked it so much. I saw it. I, I caught it on TV from the uh, on one of the movie channels, so no commercials. But I saw it from the middle to the end. But I liked it so much that I had to then find it again and watch it start to finish because I was like, wow, I want to see where this all started. I like also how they, uh, once again, talk about expanding the mythology. They expanded the types of predators that there were. Because if you read about the movie, there's a predator called the Berserker Predator, which kills the regular predator. And then Adrian Brody and the woman that's left, I forget her name, but the two of them have to then kill the Berserker Predator. Yes. And that was a lot of fun. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Isabel. I'm looking now. I see her name, Isabel. Um, yeah. All the different types of predators was really cool. Um, there was... Uh, Happy Predator, Jokey Predator, Baker Predator, <laughs> um, Vanity Predator. Or no, those are Smurfs. Right. right. No, Smurfs, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting the I'm getting those two franchises mixed up. <laughs> I'm sorry. You forgot about Sneezy Predator, Doc Predator. Sneezy Predator, that's right. Predator Et. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it, the franchise t- goes dormant for a while, and we see nothing for... N- really nine years or eight years until 2000, the end of 2018 and Shane Black, who is a um, pretty, pretty famous filmmaker in Hollywood makes a new predator movie called the predator. But Shane Black's version for some reason is not set at Christmas, which is just so weird to me. A lot of his films are set during the Christmas season. Lethal weapons set at Christmas, right? Yes. I didn't realize that was Shane Black. He wrote it. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Oh, 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 as the writer. Okay. And then he wrote Iron Man 3, which is Christmas. Um, Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. The long kiss, goodnight. He's got the holiday season in his blood. But The Predator was not. And The Predator was a really nice entry into the franchise that finally expanded upon it in a way that explained what the Predators are doing on our planet. A couple characters talk about how they're not really predators, but we're calling them predators because it sounds cooler. They come and they try to find the the one person who is truly a masterful fighter, and they uh, they take that person off to their planet. The reason we're finding this out is because they use their DNA to try to create a better version of their race. And I think that's pretty cool that we now understand why they're going to all these different planets and fighting all these different people to try to become stronger. They're forcing their own evolution. And while I like that, I do like it. It overcomplicates a pretty simple premise thus far, which is the predator comes to kill people and find the toughest one. The extra part of it there. Just, it's fine. I Like I said, I, I did like the Predator, but it's where you start violating the rules of overcomplicating a property that's already got a base. And I think that's where a lot of the problems with the Predator come in. That you start in the jungle, you 
take the mask, you mail the mask to a kid, the kid's playing in the basement, then you're put on a bus with some crazy people. Meanwhile, scientists in another place found the predator, and it's not until, I believe, about 40 to 45 minutes into the film do all of these elements finally come together. And then, after a very short period of time, like you said, they explain what they're doing, and they're like, ah, we want this guy. And you've got 10 minutes to run, and then we're going to come kill you. And all of a sudden, when you think the movie's going to kind of wrap up, it goes to like, wait a minute, what? Now they're going to do this? And while I did find it entertaining, I felt for me, I was getting a switcheroo on what I'd been watching this whole time. Again, I thought it was good. I don't think it's childhood ruining, but I definitely think it was way more complicated than it needed to be. In case anybody's out there is listening who makes movies... Um, you put Keegan-Michael Key in it, and I'm going to watch it. So that's that's just a short of it for me. Same here. There's there's a movie formula right there. You want a successful movie, put Keegan-Michael <laughs> Key in it, and, and you're going to go off the charts. Yeah. Uh, I'll take that with Olivia Munn, too. I actually saw The Predator on an airplane, and which is not the way to watch this movie, but it was so fun that I had to watch it on a normal size television and uh, I made my wife watch it with me and she wasn't as entertained with it as I was. And already having seen it once, I was like, this is really good. This is really good. Um, But then even she towards the end was like, so what are they doing now? And I kind of was like, yeah, I know this is where it loses a little steam kind of. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting movie that's it's made to be, fun you know it's not necessarily made to be the next oscar winner but it i think that it did a good job of bringing the mythology a little bit further along i will say there's something that i absolutely hated in the predator and it wasn't the fact that these crazy characters are all together and if they become a motley crew that have to save the world it was the fact that uh sterling k brown plays a character called Traeger and he's the um, like the special agent in charge of hunting down the predator. And he's just a jerk for no reason. He's like meant to be an ass just to be an ass. And he's written that way. And I don't understand the reasoning behind why his character had to be the way that he was. And so much so that like he, he died in the movie spoiler alert by attaching the predator's, a shoulder mount on his own shoulder and Olivia Munn's character Casey called for him to like watch out for something and he moved his head really fast to one way and so the gun on his shoulder turned and shot himself and blew up his own head his whole character arc was a waste in the film I agree and as the main thing that pissed me off about this movie was Sterling K Brown's whole character and then the way he went out he was too jerky for his own good and it did not add anything yeah there was no reason. There was no reason for him to be such an ass. No. But anyway, that was my big, 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 like, what the fuck? One thing that cracked me up, there's a scene where Olivia Munn is with the misfits in a hotel room, and she's trying to figure out what she did, what she's doing there. And um, I forget what his character name is and what the actor's name is, but uh, he's got a bit of Tourette's. Thomas Jane plays the character Baxley. Yes, Thomas Jane. And like I said, I saw this movie first on an airplane, And then, so I saw an edited version, and then I saw the real version. 
So in the edited version, he says to her, I'm going to eat your pudding. I'm going to eat your pudding. (laughs) And she says, did he just say he's going to eat my pudding? And then another character says, no, he said he's going to eat your pudding. (laughs) And then he goes, I'm going to eat your pudding. And she goes, he said it again. He said he's going to eat my pudding. No, he said pudding. And I am like, (laughs) what in the world? And then I started laughing because I figured it out that it's edited, but they edited in the the next joke, which is, did he just say pudding? No, he said pudding. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I was dying because I've seen some pretty good like edit, you know, the f- classic from Die Hard 2, Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. I love that one. It's one of the best. Um, I think it's from that same Die Hard. Instead of it's Rat in a Ditch, yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one cracks me up. But this one slayed me because the word that they used to cover up the bad word um, was, was the, the same word, word yeah. is for the joke in that exact same scene. So that's great. That that made me laugh double. And then watching it in real time or on a, on an unedited version. And they do that scene, and I'm laughing because it's like, oh, that's funny. And then I try to explain to my wife why it's even funnier to me, and she's just <laughs> like, let's just watch the movie. <laughs> uh, you know what is also fun is that Jake Busey is in this movie. And yes. uh, he, yep. his father, Gary Busey, was in Predator 2. I think that's a fun little uh, tidbit. That's neat. I just uh, think that... These movies are just fun. They're they're good watches. They're enjoyable, and I don't think they should ruin anybody's childhood. They are certainly getting way more uh, fanboy critique and um, disparaging critique than they deserve. Yes, for because sure. it it's already a very simple premise, and uh, that's all I can really fault these movies for is overcomplicating a, a simple premise. I think it's a kiss theory. Whenever you start with prequels, postquels, or whatever, keep it simple, keep it simple. stupid. Yep. I think it's a, it's definitely a fun franchise, and I hope that they keep going. I know that The Predator was not received well, so that stalled anything that they uh, might have been doing. But uh, hopefully in the next couple of years. I mean, it took nine, it took eight years for them to get between Predators and The Predator, so maybe in eight years we'll see another version of this this film. Well, they left off with a with a cliffhanger, so yeah, it was good too. It was really good. So you can there's a jumping off point there. Yep. So with that, I think we will leave you and uh, say thank you for listening in, and we hope that you'll give the Predator franchise another chance if you have already and thought that it ruined your childhood, uh, because it's just fun. They're fun movies to watch. They're enjoyable. Hey, Eric, where can people find you? They can find me on my other podcast, Everything, Anything, and Nothing Really. Available on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, wherever podcasts are sold. Great. And uh, once again, I'm Phil Durasmo at PhilDemo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and wherever else you want to try to look for me. Thanks for joining us for this podcast, Ruined My Childhood. Take care. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood.